and we're back. Episode Cat. How are you? And whole podcast episodes. That's pretty cool. Um, how am I? I'm pretty good. I'm chill. We're recording on a different night, so my whole routine is thrown out. But I have a particularly good whiskey recommended by, to me by a colleague. So ten, and I thought it'd be really good to speak about some of the things that I really feel you never really get taught when you're when you're younger. And you start realizing um, when you're in senior positions are really important um, for, for, for many reasons. And, and which is why today's topic is the importance of, of showing or having empathy as a leader, as a manager. And I just wanted to start off by saying, for me, it was probably one of those skills which I didn't realize was a skill until, you know, I found people that whether it was their vision, whether it was, you know, what they were trying to get me to do or whether it was, you know, I really related to them. And as I went through my career, I, I say that as though I've been working for many uh, moons, um, but, you know, my career so far, I realized that there was something inherently, um, you know, similar in, in all of these experiences. And it wasn't to do with, you know, the, the work I was doing and it wasn't to do with, you know, how impressive these people were. But fundamentally, it was to do with the fact that they allowed or they showed empathy. They showed me a side where I felt like I could connect to them. And they might not necessarily have been, you know, females or, or you know, from an Asian background or any form of like, you know, clear representation where you would think, oh, there's a, a link but what I found in their management styles and their coaching or leadership styles was they weren't afraid to be open. They weren't afraid to show empathy. And that helped me be bought into, you know, I want to work for this person or I really want to work hard or I, you know, I really believe in what this person is trying to do. And I honestly feel that it's, it's a, it's a skill that I try and make sure that I, I, I hone and I, I can kind of like keep um, as part of, you know, my management style that you should, you should show empathy, you should be willing to show emotion, and it's not a negative thing. I, 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 I agree, I think. In many ways, a lot of offices, you know, some places I've worked have been, it's hard to overcome the emotional unsafety of being in a professional environment. It's not a natural safe space uh, where you feel like you can be vulnerable, especially you know, there's a historically, I guess, a sort of you know, you leave your baggage at the door, your home life is your home life, you're here to work and you, it's very easy to fall into a sort of mental trap where you feel like having a problem any problem is going to cause you to be a drain or a detriment to the company and you know get you fired or you'll do something wrong and you won't be seen as a team you know, all, all of those things that the, the baggage we bring as people when you don't feel safe and having having people when you don't feel safe and having having a manager that shows you know, has empathy and uses empathy in the workplace to take some of that fear away you know let you be a person let you see them a bit as a person is a great thing because that's how eventually you make an effective team because if people don't have to worry about hiding their issues you know 
big or small, then they're going to be more engaged because they know they won't sit there, you know, unproductive for like three weeks, secretly stressed, but trying to hide it. You know, they can, they can tell you, or you can tell them, and they, you know, they hopefully they'll give you the space to deal with it, and you know, you're going to feel better about it afterwards. They'll feel, you know, pleased. I mean, I'm always pleased when people feel like they can talk to me about stuff like that. So yeah, I think. Showing yeah, empathy, and it, if if anything, it's I think there's so many benefits from from having it as a as a leadership style because it it, it definitely it, it it kind of encompasses what Kat was saying. It makes you um, more approachable. It makes people feel like they can trust you, and it also means that you know you highlight issues and problems at at the start where you can actually mitigate them. You can put things in place. You can support people. But the, the the second biggest thing, and I've I've learned this is, if it if it's then flipped around and all of a sudden your manager's in a position where they need your support, or they really need your your backing, or they need you to do the extra hours or some you know out of the blue or extra etc. There's there's more of a chance of a team who are who have that em- empathy and have that connection with each other to want to do that. Fear will only get you so so far. So if the way you manage people is through fear and you don't want to build that connection with them, when push comes to shove and you really need them to kind of like step up and do something for you, well, if you weren't doing it for them, they're not going to do it for you. Uh, and I think it it's something that's, that's really important to me that, you know, I want my team to always feel like they can oh, come absolutely. and speak to me. I want them to, to, to understand that I'm here to support them. And we will find ways of, you know, getting through and whether it's struggles within work, sometimes, you know, external factors this year being a great example, you know, has impacted all of us in in different ways. And being able to share some of that, some of that sort of workload or conversation with your with your boss, with your your team members, your senior team members, it it shouldn't be a, a, a question that someone has to juggle thinking, do I have this conversation with my manager? It's added stress, which is not needed. Whereas actually having that that discussion with the manager can really um, can really bolster that relationship and, and help that person progress. And it was something recently I remember, Kat, you and I were speaking. One of your direct reports had actually said they felt that you really support them and you and you you allow them to kind of really push themselves. But it comes from the fact that you've created this this environment where they feel safe and they feel that they can make some of these decisions on their own and they and they feel that they can you know progress and, and do much more and I think that that's a really good example of of a manager that's created that safe mm. empathetic environment and I think yes I, I think to do it you have to <laughs> I'm not going to say it's been completely a conscious choice of mine it's not like I read a book and I should be an empathetic manager but I think and, I, and it'd be interesting to talk about this in a minute about when did this start to change? Like the workplace has not always been this. And I, I think some of it for me is actually a, is a response to unempathetic work, workplaces I've been. Where you have had that, not a culture of fear, but a, a, a banter above all, like, or a superficiality. Um, and I know I've been in those environments and had issues and sat on them. And that's quite lonely because, you know, you spend a lot of your life at work. Um, 
So one would hope that if there are limits, it's not your family, it's not your friends, but it doesn't have to be an Orwellian nightmare of just grey emotionalness. And I do consciously try not to mother my reports, although there's a, I guess, a certain protective instinct that sort of comes around going, no, these are my boys, these are my people. But, yeah, it is, I think it's a conscious choice to allow people that space because I wish I'd had it before. Um, so here's a question for you. What, where do you, when do you think it started to change? Because I would say now, my last few jobs, you know, over the last sort of 10 years, it's been a very different environment than when I started working 15, 20 years ago. God, I'm old. <laughs> but, uh, started working 15, 20 years ago. God, I'm old. <laughs> but, uh, if you're not old, B, I, I definitely agree with you. There's, there's been a shift, especially over the last, yeah, I guess 10 years. Um, and I think some of it stems from the fact that the the needs of people have changed and this was a few years ago i remember going to a conference and they were talking about the needs of a workforce force are no longer you know just money and having a job to support your family that's why you know a lot of companies nowadays have to have you know other benefits as well because they realize that it's not it's no longer the selling factor that hey this is a company and I have a job for life or, or I have a job and I get paid a certain salary the workforce <clears> is becoming more emotionally intelligent so we want other things we want things like childcare. we want to have a work-life balance we look at things like you know do we get medical insurance etc etc and one of the most important things which we also look at is the culture of a company you're no longer going into an interview and be just worrying about what you know are they going to hire me it's hiring companies also realizing a candidate is going to be thinking do i do i fit in here is it the kind of culture that uh, i would you know thrive in um and so it's a two-way exactly yeah because i mean I, I was just thinking about it as you were speaking when i would choose to join a company it's one of the questions i would be having in the back of my mind is can i be myself here you know, I'm covered in tattoos, I have a lot of piercings, um, I like wearing black a lot. Um, I'm not going to go and work for a company, well, I say never, because you know, bills need to be paid, but, you know, given a choice, I want a company that is going to have, let people be themselves, and that can only come by leadership wanting to know those people. And that, that is empathy, in, in a sort of, in a small way it is. If I can give you the space to be yourself, I know you'll be the best self you can. And as you said earlier, they'll work harder and they'll do, they'll go the extra mile because they know that you will for them, I hope. I mean, that's what I would do for my team. Um, you know, you, you get a, and I think it's one of those cases where I don't want to be like cliche and say, hey, diversity, you know, women are more empathetic, but I think it does help where you have 
diversity in the workplace because suddenly getting to know somebody is an active process. You know, if you go back 20, 30 years, I can only imagine that, oh, look, this office is filled with straight white guys who are like, you know, like, and they were, in many ways, even if at home they were gay or they had different interests or they were femme or whatever, they were putting on a mask at work. So there was no effort required to know people. It was expected the other way around. People would conform and fit in. Now, in a diverse, to know your colleagues, to know your reports, you have to actively engage. Because you can't take anything for granted, which is great. Because by you know, active, you know, putting that work in to know them, that, that breeds empathy. You know, once you know a person, you're going to feel more empathetic about their home life, their situation, and want them to do well. Exactly, and I think a lot of. I'm glad you agree because that could have been. No, no, I I do because the a lot of workforces understand that 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 success is is a team is a team sport, and you can only really have that when every single person is as passionate about you. And I know many people are not going to understand when I when I say this, and I speak to so many people who who think I'm crazy when I say this. I'm passionate about my career. What I do for a living, um, I, I'm, I'm passionate about it and I couldn't do a job if I wasn't. And so for me, when I'm leading people as well, I want them to, and I don't mean passion in terms of they have to work crazy hours, etc. There's There's a difference. Working ridiculous hours is, is not is not being passionate about something, but working when you're in a unit, you are all understanding that this is this is this is all going to come together, and this is the end result, and we're all going to have been a part of it, um, and that you you you're all there to support each other, and I think you see so many companies who do that so successfully. I think it's a two way street. I, I I think back to earlier jobs where I haven't had a close relationship with my manager, and I haven't actually cared that much about the job. You know, I've done a good job because. A professional but I, I I look back to the some of the more recent times when I have had a much better relationship and it has made me work harder but equally it's a kind of a, like being being an empathetic boss and giving space to care and, and about what's going on in for people it's, in a way it's kind of selfish because I would hate like people who work for me to think I was an uncaring cow. Like, they would just hate that. Like, I, you know, it, I, I, you know, again, thinking back to early in my career, you, know, you sort of, because you have no choice at sometimes to go to, because you have no choice at sometimes to go to your manager and go, oh, look, I have a problem in my life. I've got to do this. Is that okay? And if you get a graph like, oh, yeah. and then you just think, oh, what a tool. And, you know, that there's nothing there whereas I would very much hope if somebody's brave enough and it is bravery sometimes to, to cross that boundary and talk to someone that what they get back from me is is you know I may not understand but I will listen and care almost you know unless they tell me they murder someone and they got I did read a book called um, The Thursday Murder Club this week guys definitely go out and read it it is one of those where I think I finished it within two days. Um, 
really gripping, really funny as well, and and not ex not what you expect at all. Um, See, that's enormously enormous. That's a highbrow reading. Um, God, what did I read this week? I'm I'm currently reading rereading the the first three famous five books. Wow. Now, yes, I'm well I, well I'm well aware they are kids books. I I'm, this is a little complicated. We're going to go off another diversion now, but basically, I loved them as a child. I grew up wanting to be, you know, George because she was great. Everything I wanted to be, you know, carefree, tomboy, excellent, awesome. So I loved them. But that was like quite a long time ago, and they were written quite a long time before that. I have a niece, and it's fine. She doesn't listen to this podcast because she's like eight. And I have a question: Can I get them for her for Christmas? Yes. Now, very well, I haven't read these for thirty years. Uh, yes, you can because they're classics, and everyone should read them. Just like. Yeah, but, but it's like, like how? Yeah, but this is what I wanted to make sure of. Like, am I going to read this? And in the first five pages, you go, "Oh God, that's far too problematic." First five pages, you go, "Oh God, that's far too problematic." No, put that aside. But so far, actually, I mean, I've read the first one into like a couple of hours, and the second one, I got halfway through, and went, "Yeah, it's kind of boring." But you're right; they're actually fine so far. Obviously, they're very, 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 very white, but whatever. They're not problematic. I, yeah, I've, I've been so, yeah, reading that, a lot at the reading. moment, but I've got some fun <laughs> stuff coming up for Christmas in terms of reading. Um, and also because, actually, little tip, if you read first thing in the morning and last thing at night, it's actually really good for you. A, it, it, it de-stresses you. It, um, it's a really good mental exercise for your brain, first thing in the morning as well, just to kind of kick it into gear. And I also feel like it improves things like your mm. focus, your vocabulary, vocabulary for sure. Um, so I, I, I love reading and, and it's one of the, the big things that's come out of COVID. Funnily enough, I, I was just about to say, funnily enough, the, the, the last book that's just arrived today is actually a book on, um, it's called Dare to Lead. And it talks through not just empathy, but it, it talks through a, a wide range of topics. Um, and I thought it'd be a nice segue back into into this. One thing I, I will say is for anyone listening, you might think, oh, well, empathy means you go around hugging people or it go, means you go around being emotional, etc., etc." I've had bosses where the empathy hasn't been because they've been overly emotional with me. The empathy has been that I've just trusted them enough that I can go and have that conversation with them. A really, really good mentor of mine, Stuart Galley, and he was my boss for three years. We actually didn't know anything about each other up, up until the, the, the day I left and he took me out you know, for a, a leaving lunch. Um, and it was the first time we'd had a personal conversation. We were two very different people in terms of management style as well, you know, working financial services. Stuart is a, is a, is a huge operations expert. So he's very old school in that sense, but he was someone I respected. So empathy has very different forms. You don't have to be that person who sits there and, and pours your heart out. It's just knowing that, that when push comes to search up, that person will make the right decision or they'll make the decision that is the best for the team. And you can also feel like you're trust, you, you trust them enough and you can have those conversations. Um, and that's why to this day, you know, I reach out to him if I'm going through imposter syndrome or if I've got a question about work, etc. We have that sort of relationship. Uh, and, and, you know, yes, there's many, if, when people think of empty to think of negative things like being overly emotional and maybe making bad decisions, etc. No, we're talking about empathy where you use, um, you as a manager, 
are able to bring out the best in your team and you use that emotional connection so that you can you can ask them like hey what are the things that worry you how can we work on that plan to get you up to the level etc etc and it ends up being a positive relationship for you and the person that's working for you that's the empathy that's a, that's a key point i think because you know obviously we talked a lot about sort of home stress and 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 things outside of work impinging being open but i think that you're right there's a, there's a lot of unspoken stress at work when you are being challenged with, I don't actually know how to do this. Like I've been given a task, I have no how the idea how to do it. And fostering an environment where people can feel safe to ask for help, safe to fail. That's super important as well. Like that that that's almost as key because yes, our home lives will impinge, and a manager who can help their you know their reports who can help their, you know, their reports cope, deal, make space for that. Super important. But making a, a team that isn't afraid to voice the... Because some people, I, mean, I know I am, like, I, and I'm very bad at admitting it, but ask me to do something I don't know how to do, I'm going to have a bit of a panic because I hate looking all... stupid. And yeah, having that relationship with, well, yeah, I mean, my only advice really for anybody who is just becoming a manager or a leader of people or wants to take their career in that direction is just be the manager that you wish you had. And it's incredibly cliched, but no one, I've done lots of manager training courses, books, but ultimately, j- just be the manager you wish you had and you can't go too far from Exactly. And I think that's a very good point for us to end this podcast. Kat, if people want to get in touch with us or with you, how can they do so? Uh, we are on Twitter at Queen's O-T-T-H uh, and you can find me at Caitlin underscore F underscore Baker where we welcome... All positive feedback and negative feedback can, uh, I guess. <laughs> Excellent. Very you can also find me on Twitter and on Instagram. Thank you so much for tonight, Kat. Where can they find you on Twitter and Instagram? Hey, on Instagram, I, I am, this is very long-winded for anyone. <laughs> anyone. I am Amara A underscore Queens OTTA. On Twitter, I am Amara and b underscore t underscore s thank you so much cat always a pleasure speaking to you and we'll be back with the next episode soon take care